With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again and welcome back to the Anvil and Next Writers podcast. I am Tom Holmes. Joining me as ever is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, good to be recording off the back of a big Champions League win and lots of positivity heading into the weekend, so all good my end. Yeah, good, 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 good. It has been a brilliant week for Liverpool. Um, there's, there's been a lot of sort of, maybe not negative speculation, but a lot of concern after we sort of scraped past Huddersfield at the weekend, so it's brilliant to see the Reds back in full form against Red Star last night. And we are joined by two fantastic guests to have a look at some of the elements of that start to the season, both the good and the bad. And we're going to start with Stefan. Stefan, how are you, my friend? Very, very well. I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks with these opponents for easy-ish. And lots of, lots of goals, hopefully. A man with no time for Unai Emery. And uh, we've got one, we've got Carl Kopak as well. Carl, it's good to have you back on, my friend. How are you? Thank you very much. Not too bad at all. Thank you, Tom. Very nice. I went. I went to Huddersfield, by the way. I was. Are you as in, as in the game or the town? I was at the game. Oh, believe me, you, you go the game. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fancy just an afternoon out wandering around the dales or anything like that. It's very nice, actually. <laughs> it's a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. But um, yeah, I went to the game. I went to the John Smiths, so I could literally just like I tick the ground off. <laughs> so I, I've now got it. it. There's no point in me going back there ever again. <laughs> that's it. Huddersfield is... It's a, tick on a, it's a tick on a spreadsheet. That's Huddersfield done. Um, yeah. So we're going to start with your article, Stefan, and it's on Liverpool's crisis in, in, in inverted commas. So um, why don't you kick off by telling us about your article, the sort of the, the crux of it, what you were thinking, and we can sort of get into some of the discussion about it. Well, the article is, is about... Uh, well, I think everybody was complaining after Huddersfield that uh, the offense isn't clicking. And that we were lucky basically to, to win the game and we were lucky a couple of times to, to get results. And last season, uh, around the same time, uh, we had kind of the same crisis where we weren't scoring goals at all. And, but last season we were losing points, obviously, because we didn't have any luck back then. But so I kind of, uh, compared the, the two, the two runs and look into some, high-level numbers, and some of the causes that will get resolved as the season goes goes on. Okay, uh, so Carl, I'll let you uh, go first in terms of reaction. So what did you think of Stefan's article, and what do you think about sort of Liverpool's attacking performances over the first sort of, well, we're about two months into the season now, so the first two months or so of the season? Well, firstly, there's, there's no, no such thing as lucky performances and lucky wins. Um, the, the closest you can get to that is maybe Chelsea, where obviously it took a worldie in the last second to uh, to get a point. But as, as regards, I think there's a bit of a myth about Liverpool's forward line. And I, I, I said this on our pod last week, that Mo Salah last season very, very nearly equaled Ian Rush's record goal scoring in his first ever season for Liverpool. That's not going to happen again. He's, he's not going to get 44 this season. And if he gets 34, it will be amazing. It really will. Um, so I, th- I think people are sort of um, uh, asking a bit too much of the forward line because I know it happened last night, but um, for all three strikers to score in the same game, that that takes a lot. If you think of the other clubs around, you know, around um, uh, around Europe, who can say, you know, Barcelona, you had that, you know, with MSN and stuff like that, but um, it's very rare that you get so you, all your strikers scoring in the same goal. And we, we did it, I think, Leanne said before, um, was it eight times last season, Leanne, you said. And uh, that, that's yeah. not always going to happen. So you, what, what you need to do in that situation is, uh, you know, clubs have basically worked out how to play the three of them. And, and, and you know, they, they someone said on the telly last night, it was a really good point, that um, 
what what you end up doing is you try and deny them the um the sort of instinctive flick. So for example, Firmino's ball through to Mane um last night was an instinctive flick. And Liverpool haven't been doing that this season because they've been deprived of space. Teams have been going deeper against us. Uh and um so when Red Star last night decided to play a slightly higher line after the after the first goal, it was like thanks, fill your boots, lads. But not everyone's doing that apart from West Ham maybe in the first game. So I think it's a bit of a myth that they're not performing because they're certainly getting there. They're they're in the right places. As Bob Paisley used to say, you're like, you know, it's not not that you miss them. It's the fact that you've got to be in the right place to miss them, and that's not really a problem because sometimes they just go in. So I don't think that's a. It's perhaps a bigger issue as people are making out to be. Um, and what happens the first time you play a weak team? They all score. It's it's just the way it goes. We've just we've had a hell of a run as well. We've you know, PSG, City, Chelsea. Um, that's a hard run we've had to come up with. Napoli away is the only one we lost, which is probably the one we're most likely to win out of that lot. And, um, yeah, so, you know, they're all very, very good teams. I don't think you can really judge the strikers yet until we've we've gone through the dross. And true, Huddersfield were the dross. But I thought the midfield was the problem on Saturday. Definitely not the, um, well, the original midfield was the problem and not the, um, not the strikers. I've ranted again, Tom. Sorry. That's all right. Rant, ranting's fun. I guess the other thing is right at the at the weekend. It, that wasn't our front three, was it? Because neither Mane nor Firmino no. started at the weekend anyway. No. So that's you know that's that's maybe the game that was most concerning is the game we can sort of say, well, Lalana and Sturridge were playing, so it's not quite as important or not quite as a uh, not quite as relevant moving forward, shall we say? In this it's your, it's big your game. Yeah, you're playing your B team there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Leanne, would you still say there has been maybe some? Some justifiable concern in terms of Liverpool's attack in these first nine league games, because if you you know if you look at at the goal scored, we've scored as many as Bournemouth and Tottenham, and Chelsea, Arsenal, and City have all scored significantly more. So for a team that wants to be one of the best attacks in Europe, do you think there's still some still some issues to be sort of ironed out in the first sort of ten weeks of the season? Yeah, I think we're not really at the level of fluency we were last season, and also. Something that was evident on Wednesday, which we've not seen this season, um, which again comes down to the rotational aspect of things, but the interchanging of positions. So, you know, um, on Wednesday against Red Star, we had Salah popping up in the middle. We had Firmino in the hole. We had Shakiri on the left and then switching to the right. We had Mane running a bit of everywhere. So that makes it a lot harder for defenders. And it's something that we saw a lot of last season, but we've not really seen so far. Um, so I do think that, you know, there's improvements to be made. I do think, yeah, so there's definitely aspects to be improved, but. I actually saw a, um, a good stat from Neil Jones, who works at Goal, um, which he posted saying that despite all this this idea that Liverpool's front three are off form, um, after Liverpool had played 13 games last season, they had 13 goals between them. And this year, 13 games this season, 15 goals. So actually, statistically, the front three are doing pretty well. Um, it's just a case of that fluency is kind of making them flatter to deceive. They they look like they're not really on form. They look like they're a bit off it. Salah doesn't look like his usual self. But actually, in terms of the numbers, in terms of the way Liverpool have picked up results and they're in a good position in the league, things are actually going quite well. There's also, I think you've got to look in the fact that, you know, we, we may have scored the same amount of goals as those teams, but not every team has been to Tottenham away. Not every team's played City yet. Not every team's been, you know, you know the, the games we played, Chelsea away. You know, you're not going to get two or three in those games. And that, that's, that's, that's 30% of the games we played so far. 33% even. But, um, you know, so it, that, that's, it's not as if we're playing Cardiff every week. We haven't had, had actually had it. That's straight enough. The hard, the, easy, the easiest team we played this season so far has been Brighton at home. And that was only 1-0. But they, that was, we basically pissed about a bit, I thought, that day. So, um, yeah, you've got to look at who you're playing against as well, not just saying you can't You can't just do it on a sort of the start of this season against the start of that season because it's they're completely different sides. I mean, there's a lot There's a lot to sort of unpack there and a lot of these points have been sort of already brought up. Um, one thing I do want to dispute, I think, you know, I think the easy thing we've played so far has been Southampton. And, and I think, you know, we, we, we went through them pretty easily in that first half. So I think that maybe sort of one of those cases where you can sort of say, you know, okay, you, you look at certain games and there there haven't been too many performances and results. If you look at the individual quality of the team we're facing, where you'd say maybe we should have been doing better there. Um, you know, I mean, and there were games, you know, Crystal Palace away, Leicester away. Those were games where when we were playing them, the, the you know, the attitude was very much, 
you know, if we get a win at Leicester, that's a good result. If we get a win at Palace, that's a good result. It doesn't necessarily matter how you get them, right? Um, you know, we, we beat West Ham by four. That was a good result. Southampton were... I think the mo- maybe the most impressive thing about Southampton was that we stopped scoring because it looked like we didn't want to score anymore, which hasn't necessarily been the case in all of our games so far this season. So, and so in which case you can sort of say, you know, okay, the only game that you'd look at and sort of worry about is maybe the Huddersfield game. And as we've already mentioned, that's the B team. A um, couple of things that Stefan does, of course, mention in his article. I mean, I mean, obviously the, the caliber of opposition is an important thing to, to take into account. And that was something that was very much the case last season as well. We did play Arsenal, Man City, Spurs and Man United all in the first nine games last season. But I think the other thing to sort of say is, well, scoring as many as last season isn't maybe isn't maybe necessarily in and of itself a good thing because we struggled at the start of last season as well. And yes, we're more reliant on the defence now and we're defending really well. That's that's just a fact. We are defending really well. Um, but Leanne, would you say it's maybe a, would you say it's the case that we are being less attacking because we know we can defend better and, because, and therefore we're relying a bit more on the defence? Or would you say that it that it has been a concern that we are at the moment so reliant on our defence to sort of grind out some of these results rather than winning them on the strength of our goals? I think, as as Stefan says in the article, it's it's all about the defence, really. We we are now at a stage where if Liverpool have a one-goal advantage or, or even a two-goal advantage, which is classed as a, a dangerous scoreline, we feel, as fans, or at least I feel, that we're a little bit more able to maybe see out the game. We have that consistency and that ability to kind of drop off sit back, see the game out because of the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez, who's had a very, very good season so far. And even the fullbacks, yes, they're really, really good attacking-wise, but they've done their defensive duties very well this season. And so I think the ability to see out the game, to have someone like Alisson as well, who's got so much confidence in goal and, and that kind of propels out to the rest of the team, has been a major factor. And, and maybe that's why Klopp isn't maybe so reliant on the attack. Okay, the attack still needs to click at some point and hopefully Wednesday is now that, that chance for the team to kick on and, and really hit Cardiff hard at the weekend. Um but yeah, I do think there's there's been a kind of a change of tact maybe that Liverpool now can rely on their defence whereas before it was all about outscoring the opposition and, and that's kind of how we had to approach the game. Yeah, this is something I've sort of mentioned as well in my article where I sort of say, you know, our Last season was very much, it was a bit more controlled chaos, whereas this season there's been a lot more just sort of control. Pragmatic is what it is. Yeah. It's a pragmatic approach. And I I don't think it's a case as such as um, relying on the defence. It's just the fact that we've got one now, um, and and, and that makes such a difference. So when we're struggling against things like, City is the perfect example. We couldn't get a shot on target against City because... They basically played three centre-backs, they put Kyle Walker in, and they played David Silver and Fernandino right next to each other, so we couldn't go through in the middle against them, and they just controlled the middle, the midfield. But we would have lost that ordinarily because the midfield's always shaky. Sorry, the defence used to be shaky against the side like that as well. But that that's how basically, you know, you, you don't lose games like that. You, if your defence is that good, then, you know, obviously we nearly lost it in the last minute, but... um that's the difference between this season and last season. It's just purely pragmatism. Because, you know, you're not going to get 120-odd goals per season every season. Um, and I, But I, I think the goals are going to come back. It's just sometimes you've just got to sort of... You've got, you've got to dog them out, pretty much. You've got to dog out games like that. You can't expect them to go 3-4-0 against everyone. It's just that we tended to do it last season. And I know we started against some big teams last year, but, um, you know, we got battered by Man City. And Arsenal, that's the worst Arsenal side I've ever seen. And I've seen some bad ones in my time, but um, so yeah, it, it is a bit of a different thing altogether. But um, yeah, I think the defense is the defense is crucial. That's been his biggest success this year. Absolutely, categorically. We'll jump back to you, now, Stefan, because obviously it, it is your article. So, what do you? What's your take on it? Do you think that it is the case that Liverpool are maybe just lacking a bit of fluidity? Do you think that's down to maybe the midfield, or do you think that it's a tactical thing? Liverpool are being more defensive as a result when they get in certain positions and that's why the attack's not quite clicking. What's your take on it all? I think when Klopp probably saw the schedule, uh, he decided to just play it safe. Uh, and, and that's why we, we haven't seen Fabinho and Nabi play, play too much. Uh, 
because he just decided to play with a safe midfield, which obviously takes away from, from the attack. And then somehow the defense is completely transformed. Maybe it's Allison and maybe it's Van Dyke getting the preseason. So it worked well. I don't think we can, we can complain. And I think when now Fabino gets in the squad and, and obviously when Nabi gets back healthy, we'll see more, more opportunities. We'll, we'll see higher, higher XG in, in the games. And then it's, it will be up to the forwards to finish, which they do pretty well. Even now, even now the finishing, I think, is, isn't bad. It's not at the levels, obviously, at the end of last season when we were scoring for fun, but it's, it's still good, right? It's not something to be, to be worried about. Okay, definitely. Um, so we'll sort of, I want to do sort of zero in a little bit on this midfield because we have sort of flirted around, flirted around the question of the midfield a couple of times already. Um, and I'll stick with you for this one. This one, Stefan, and then um, Carlo, Leanne, if you just want to jump in afterwards. Um, how important has the midfield been in the opening eight, nine weeks, ten weeks, sort of to to the form of the front three? Do you think it's the case that Klopp, on certain occasions, has picked a more defensive midfield, and that's why we've maybe necessarily had less opportunities to counterattack? Or do you think that it's just the case that at the moment the midfield just isn't creative enough? I, I think it's, it's a combination of both. Uh, obviously we're not going, I mean, Henderson and, and Ginny and, and Milner, well, Milner is the, uh, Champions League record holder for, for assist in a single season, but, um, they're, they're not very creative and they don't, because if, if you compare us to, to the likes of Man City and Arsenal, who are scoring a lot of goals right now, they have a lot of creative players in those midfields. Even Man City with De Bruyne missing, they still have a lot of creative players. While we don't really have this at the moment, but but then Klopp, I think, acknowledges that and, and sets the team tactically to to best suit the players who are who are actually on the field, which is obviously the, the best the best way to to go about it. Um. So so yeah, I think it's a, a bit of a combination of both. I guess one one element that one element maybe hasn't been addressed just yet. We, is is the role of the fullbacks because the fullbacks are extremely important in the way we attack and I'll jump to you on this one Carl um, do you think that maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold in particular having a bit of a slow start to the season has impacted our attack and maybe that's why Klopp has given Gomez a couple of games at right back just sort of get get Trent some form back um, do you think that plays a big part in it? Well, I don't think that's why he was dropped to be honest I think he was dropped because so, he wanted to give Lovren time and um, and he wanted, he wanted Gomez on the pitch just because he'd been doing so well um, the fullbacks have been, I think they've been pretty good. I mean, Trent, certainly against West Ham, he was a bit, he, Trent has the odd 50-50 game where he looks brilliant and then he'll just suddenly for some reason roll it to their central midfield four times in ten minutes. Um, which is fine because he's a kid, you know, and people keep forgetting that he is going to drop off a bit. Um, I thought he was great last night because he wanted to score about 15 goals in ten minutes when he, uh, in the first half. He just kept battering everything all the time. Um, the success of the fullbacks has obviously has been Andy Robertson, but I think also this is a different point. But um, I think he's looking a bit tired. I was amazed he got 82 minutes last night. Um, although bearing in mind, sorry, guy, bearing in mind who's to come on and replace him, that's always going to be difficult. I'm going to pay for that remark later, believe me. Um, so I think the fullbacks have been pretty. Uh, again, the fullbacks were, this were so important last season, not just the front three, but I think there's always a case of. Um, um, Sometimes you've just got to get people onto the pitch. You've got to give them time. I mean, everyone's favourite Adam Lallana, for example, um, who has been the slowest thing on two legs in the two games he's got to play. You, sometimes you've got to play people like that. And I think that's the same with, with, with Trent sometimes. He, he needs time away from the game occasionally because, you know, development is key. And he has just done a World Cup as well. I don't think he played one game, I think it was. That's a very convoluted point I've just made, which I apologise. No, yeah, I think, you know, you've got to look at areas like rotating the fullbacks. Um, that is something that does play a factor, but I, I do, do take your point. Maybe it's not necessarily critical to what's been our attack. So you, you seem to think it's entirely tactical. Leanne, what's your take on it all? What do you think the sort of, obviously, I mean, no one's saying the attack is misfiring. I wouldn't go quite that far. I think it's, you know, I think they are performing quite well overall. They've all started the season reasonably well. It's just been, the case that we're not scoring as many as we have been. So what's your take on the whole situation? Why do you, th- what do you think the core issue is 
or rather has been over the first sort of 10 weeks of season? Do you think it's tactical? Do you think it's the midfield? Do you think it's just maybe just a bit of weariness in the legs of the front three? I think it's it's uh, several factors. I think the weariness of the front three with the World Cup is a, is a good point that Carl's made there. Um, and, of course, you know, when you've played all summer, you naturally are going to be tired. You've got to then get back to club level. You've got to get back to dealing with different uh, teammates again and learning or relearning the game of, of the people you're playing with. So Salah has got to sort of re readjust to, to Manu and Firmino and likewise. Um, but I think the main issue is definitely... The midfield, we touched on this last week in terms of Oxlade Chamberlain, um, and you know Naby Keita taking a while to settle in, which I think is a is a big issue. Well, let, not let, a big let me issue, guess, but a... let me guess, Liam, were, were you quite pro Oxlade Chamberlain? <laughs> what gave me away? Um, <laughs> no, I, I think I think the the drive and the creativity in midfield is something that our system really needs. I think we saw that on Wednesday with Shakiri uh, against Belgrade. So. I, I completely understand why it's taking Abby Cater a little bit of time to get up ahead of speed and, and to build the kind of momentum he established in the Bundesliga. But I do think while we don't have that, it's it's a little bit of a problem which is helping or or maybe is giving the reason as to why the, the front three isn't quite clicking yet because they don't have that support. You've got Salah no longer being in a one-on-one situation. He's got two defenders around him all the time, which means he doesn't have the space, which means you need that creative force in midfield to try and work some kind of opening for him. And, and that, that's, why and, that's why you play Firmino in a 10 last night for 20 minutes. Exactly. That's exactly um, so why. I do think it's a factor. I do think we, we kind of miss that dribbler from midfield, which Naby Keita will be. It's just he's not there yet. Um, and that, that's why the likes of Shakiri are so important because they offer that um, energy, that um, in you know intense press. Um, and they have the vision and the creativity to make a chance happen. So I, I do think that's a, a crucial factor as well. Yeah, Stefan, I'll let you sort of jump back in here. Um, one point that you've made I think is really, really important is that we're not judging Liverpool on by the same standards this year, are we? We are, we're not looking at Liverpool as a team challenging for the top four, a team looking at a domestic trophy. We are looking at Liverpool being title contenders we are judging this Liverpool I mean obviously someone like Carl always judges this Liverpool team by the criterion of title contenders but we are judging this Liverpool team on someone like Carl hey (laughs) no I just mean someone who expects us to win the league every year or expects us yeah there you go (laughs) um no yeah like um this year we are sort of the only team we're sort of looking at is we've got to be comparing ourselves to Man City and as I said you know City have scored 10 goals more than us already and if that continues over the course of the season, you can see why there is sort of maybe maybe some cause for concern, um, especially when our defence doesn't seem to be better than City's at the moment either. Obviously, City have had an easier run, as we've mentioned. But yeah, do you think that plays a big part in it, the fact that we are, in many re- respects, looking as Liverpool side and be- having to be perfectionists about it? I think it has a lot. To, I think the, the reaction after the, the performances has a lot to do with, with where the team is actually. I think uh, last season, Man City were—I I, guess—they won the league in December. Uh, they probably had a 15-point lead in December, so the games didn't feel as important in the in the league. Uh, and we kind of allowed ourselves to to maybe lower the the bar of, of expectations last season. But now we're unbeaten, and we're second somehow. We've just drawn two games. We've conceded three goals and we're second, which is insane if you think about it. Uh, and it's also about who we've drawn those games against as well. That's the statement for me. We haven't drawn them Fulham at home like we normally do or Burnley away or anything like that. We've, we've played we've played the other two big two in our league and they haven't beaten us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that, true. That, but, that, but that's huge. My point is that the, the reaction after a, a performance is based on the fact that we just edge Huddersfield. I think maybe in the end we controlled the game well, but we were like uh, a lucky goal, ricocheted something away from drawing the game, which would then really ta- really affect us in the league. And it will affect us this year by not winning it rather than just, you know, scrapping for top four or, or whatever. So the, and I think even the players now, uh, if, if you look at the, the interviews that they give and Klopp also, they, they know that this team is very, 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 very good. 
and that this team will challenge for the league and will probably challenge for the league in the next couple of years also. And they know that the expectations for them are higher than they were before now. Rightly so. Yeah, and and that you you can see it in the interviews. Uh, and I think that's that's actually something very. Uh, I think it's come from, it comes from Klopp, and it's very good for the team that they acknowledge that they didn't play well in, in certain games, and that they know that it, we as fans and they as players should 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 do more. I think the other thing is I'm not I'm not sure that we did control the game against Huddersfield all that well. I I think we were just a bit lucky that Huddersfield are really crap. Like to be completely honest, I I thought there were a lot of situations where I don't, I don't think we defended particularly well against Huddersfield at all. I think Klopp took a gamble with that midfield and I don't think it paid off at all. Playing Shakiri in the midfield, I'm, I don't think it worked in any. I don't think it worked at all. Um, but I think that I think I think that is a separate issue. Um, I think in that sort of game, you know, I think. I like that Klopp's trying different things as well, though. I like that in those sorts of games, Klopp is maybe trying to get find ways to make the attack work. It's like you said, you know, you're playing Bobby Firmino in the 10 role. At the weekend, he decided to play Shakiri in the midfield. Yeah. Um, so he's trying different things. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, the four the four two three one that he did against Red Star, which we'll go and talk about in a minute, because we'll talk about that sort of, that game in a minute. But for me, that's that's the solution there. You just you you play Shakiri out on the right, but you give him a bit of license, and then you you let Bobby cut inside. That's the way to get the best out of him. Um, I think maybe one issue is that maybe one issue with the attack is at the moment we look a little bit, not unbalanced, but he's trying to find a way to shoehorn three three right wingers into the side. And when Sadio's missing, we don't have anyone who can play off the left. That is an issue. He he would rather play Lalana off the left and Shaqiri in midfield than play Shaqiri out on the left, which is potentially a worry for me. Um, Just that at the moment, as I say, we've got three three right-sided players in that front three, but we don't have anyone who can... And even, I mean, Sturridge would prefer to play off the, the right than the left, so we don't really have anyone who can play off the left. Obviously, Mane is playing there, and he's, you know, he's brilliant there because he's a brilliant player. But maybe, not unbalanced, but like you could see against um, Huddersfield, he was trying to find a way to fit Shaqiri and Salah in the same eleven, um, And then again, last night, he was trying to find a way to fit Shaqiri and Salah in the same eleven. So I'm gonna I'm curious to see how that sort of little subplot develops over the course of the season, whether or not we do see different players play out on the left, because Sadio can't play there every game. And I'm I'm really curious whether as whether or not he goes and plays a more diamond midfield to allow Robbo to basically play as a left winger, which is obviously which is which is what works, right? Having Sadio be able to drop inside and give Robbo so much space to operate is why we're really affected down that flank because Robbo's so good. And that's, well, that's, that's what an interesting that's factor. what Guardiola does with Mendy, right? In, in City. That's why Sané didn't start the season because he basically used Mendy as a as a left winger. Yeah, exactly. And, and, Mend- and Mendy looked really, really out of sorts when Sané came on because suddenly I mean, half, half his game's gone. I'm just curious um, because Tom, you just said there that you you thought the midfield was slightly unbalanced when Shakiri was in it, um, but I mean, obviously based off uh, Wednesday's game, he was arguably the man of the match. He kind of didn't put a foot wrong. He tracked back well. That's where the first goal comes from. He shows that creative spark. Perfectly weighted ball for Robertson. Lovely deft touch for Salah for um, Salah's opener. I mean, I, I don't really think there's anything more he could be doing right now to be I'm knocking not, at the door of a I'm first not, I'm spot. not complaining about Shakiri. I'm saying that he. Sh- I'm saying that when he plays in midfield three, looking balanced. Last night he didn't play in a midfield three. Last night he played off the right wing and we played four two three one and that worked really well. Um, I mean, at, at the I, weekend. I, he was good I on the ball. Say, I wouldn't say he was playing right wing. I think, again, it comes back to my point earlier about um, switching positions. At times, he was kind of more central. He was drifting in, in in a number 10 kind of role. Then he went off to the flank. Then he's drifted in again. So that's why I, I like Shakiri in that role, because we were talking earlier about not having the drive and creativity from the field so far this season. And I think that's something he offers. Um, I'd be curious to see what, what Harlan and Stefan think about that. I, I don't think he wasn't playing in midfield last night. He was playing in an attacking role, whereas at the weekend he was playing in midfield and we looked really unbalanced as a result. He's good on the, like, he was really good on the ball at the weekend, but off the ball he, he was a, he was a bit of a liability. We, we saw Klopp, you know, shout at him two, three, four times. Klopp, Klopp's not, ha- Klopp wasn't happy with his defensive work at the weekend. That's why he played him in a more attack, a more overtly attacking role last night. And shifting the midfield from a midfield three in which Shakiri wasn't doing his job to a midfield two and giving Shakiri the more license for me was the key difference. Although I'd be very here to 
uh, yeah, as you say, I want to hear Carl and Stefan have to. Oh, I just opened the, the average positions and Shakiri was kind of, well, he mirrored money basically. So I think Tom's right that he, he was probably going, uh, out on the wing more, but we need, we need somebody who can dribble in midfield. That's, I think that's clear. Uh, Ox did a great job. Phil did a great job last season when his back wasn't hurting from disappointment. Um, so, so we need that. Uh, I don't know who that is. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's some Brazilian dude. I don't know. Don't remember much. Uh, so we need that because with all the, all the running that we do, and the press, we need somebody who has a, a very good touch and who can just turn around and run, run at defenses while they're not set. And Gini can actually do that. Uh, he scored a great goal against Germany. I, I, I know, I, I think he went past three players and then gave Boateng like the, the messy treatment. So Gini can do that, but maybe Quop kind of holds him back so that he can, uh, he can be a level of protection if we lose the ball. And we need somebody who, who can do that, uh, to, to be, to, to be great and to get the best out of the front three. We, we, we've moved away from just depend, from just depending on, on some magic from, from more from society or from, from Bobby. Be, because now there's more space between them and, and the midfield because the midfield plays a bit more and that's been the that's it. That's nail on the head, isn't it? Yeah. The, the distance between the midfield and the attack, particularly in, in games like Chelsea, um, and um, to be honest, the elements of Crystal Palace as well, it's it's it's, it's ten yards more than it should be. Um, but again, I think you've got again. I keep coming back to you. You've got to look at the opposition. Sometimes, I mean, when we played Tottenham, we we went we went all over them, so that wasn't a problem. And obviously, we got the yeah, we got the goal at half time, and then you know they had to come out and play, but. Um, that's been the problem for a lot of the time. I mean, the, the problem again on Saturday was the fact that midfield was bad until when Alden came on and Fabinho came on. Um, but, um, cause you know, they're, they're, they're proper number sixes, but, um, yeah, sometimes we don't play with, we, we, we don't do ourselves any favours by sitting so deep in midfield at times. And the, the, the player who's supposed to do that, who's supposed to bring the ball out is Naby Keita, and he hasn't done it for, for a number of reasons. But, um, apart from the first game where I thought he was outstanding, but uh, that, that's why we've been missing it, because we haven't had the man to come out and, and, and knit up the play. And Oxlade-Chamberlain is very good at that, because he's very aggressive. And Kaito should be good at that. Adam Lallana, God knows, frankly. But um, that's been the problem. It's been the gap between the two areas. But also, I think Klopp, uh, up until now, he's, he's uh, been very picky on the team, depending on the opposition. So he would play very conservative against, or not very conservative, but for, for, for his style, conservative against good sides. And he'll play a safe, safe team. And then if we play some side that we should be dominating, he, he tries this like Shakiri in midfield or, or, or something to, to make the attack quick more. Well, it's, 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 it's a perfect test on Saturday, isn't it? Because, I mean, we are playing the worst side in the league. Although Fulham are having a go at that as well. Um, at Anfield. That's the, 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 the most bankest of home bankers. That's where you play. That's where you start, you know. There's going to be space. There's going to be enough because, because they're so far behind us in quality. And also, um, Warnock will pick a weakened team because he knows he can't win because he does things like that. Which is why I can't abide him, frankly. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, your article now, Carl, sort of, because I feel like this topic's sort of wrapping up and, um, the topics segue really, really well because the mid, your article's obviously about how, how well our midfield worked last night and as a result, how well our attack worked last night, which obviously gives us that chance to sort of move on to that Red Star game and your article pretty nicely. Um, and I'll, I'll just, I'll let you introduce your article, Carl, I'll let you go over your article just before we do that. Do you reckon the same team plays against Cardiff that played against Belgrade? No. You reckon a different team? Yeah. Okay. Do you re- um, so I'll let you sort. Of, yeah. Okay. I'll let you get into your article then, and then we can sort of discuss that. Well, again, it's an extension of, of uh, Stefan's article, really, because it's, it's about where the issues are, and um, the main the main problem this season has been the midfield because it's the best defence we've had in absolutely years 
since 2001, I'd go as far as that. Maybe 2009, but no, hang on. No, I'll go for 2001, um, which is Hippie, Henshaw, Carragher and Marcus Babel. You know, not bad. Um, although we've got a better goalkeeper now. But um, midfield just hasn't clicked this season, apart from, I'd say, the first two games, West Ham and Palace. Uh, and that's because... Um, it's because if, I think if you're going to play a three a three man midfield, you can do things like play one number six and push two further up, or you can do as we did last night, play two sixes and one, or make it a four two three one etc. You can do that, and we just haven't found the balance to do that. But but last night, and as I said in the article, you know this comes with the, the, the biggest caveats in the world because Red Star were really poor apart from the first twenty minutes, when strictly speaking they should have scored, they should have gone ahead. I thought um, that was. A very, very assured game because, I mean, wherever you want to argue where Shakiri played, um, for a start, no one's, no one's praising Genie when Alderman enough. When he came on on Saturday at Huddersfield, he solved about 10 problems in one, in five minutes. The way that man uses space is amazing. And he's been, he's been the man you, you don't drop. So when we dropped him for the first half at Huddersfield, we were in a right state because Lalana hasn't got the legs and, you know, Shakiri's not really his role. Um, and Henderson got injured, but um, last night I thought it was—I thought Fabino was was my man of the match last night by an absolute mile. He just won absolutely everything. And what I like about him more than anything else, and I, this is really, really um, evidence of the last ten minutes on Saturday, is the man just never feels hurried. It's really weird because there's loads of times on Saturday we had two, three men coming at him when he was quite, deep, and he like, um, you know, Van Dyke saying move out, move out, or you know, or knock it long or something like that. Now I'll take a touch up and I'll give it to a shirt and that that's a, if you've got someone who can do that that's amazing and sometimes Liverpool's midfield in the last few years including last season we didn't do that enough and I thought he was, I thought he was very very calm and, and assured and um, I think if Milner hadn't started so well this season then um, I think Fabinho would have gotten games and obviously there's the whole sort of wherever you stand on the um, Jordan Henderson's the greatest player in the world or, or my god he shouldn't be allowed into the city uh, debate. Um, I think when Alvin's been brilliant, so I think for being on last night was absolutely outstanding. I really do. I think he's a great player. And what, what's nice about it is because on the opening day of the season, when, with everyone fit, that's not your front, that's not your middle three. There was talk of Genie and Alvin even leaving, um, pre-season. Um, and now he's, he's first name in the midfield for me. Who have I annoyed with that comment? That's really Anyone? interesting. That's, no, no, I think it's really interesting. Um, Stefan, I'm going to let you respond. Well, I think last time I was on the pod, Alex wrote the article about Ginny being the vital cogging cops, cops machine, right? Or I think it was something along those lines. And we talked extensively about him. And I think he's been the most consistent midfielder uh, by far this season. I mean, Mueller's had some great games, but then he played so much that at one point, I, I don't know how he's still alive, to be honest. But he's not human. I think that's yeah. the thing about Milner. You can't, you can't judge him on mortals. So, so yeah, I think Milner got fatigued at one point, obviously got injured. Uh, Henderson has had his normal ups and downs. And we haven't seen much from Nabi and Fabinho to, to actually judge them. And to be honest, I think the first 20 minutes uh, yesterday... Uh, Red Star were in the game because Fabino was still kind of uh, uh, feeling the game in. He hasn't played a lot for us, and he he was a bit, uh, I think, a bit sloppy in in the first like 10-15 minutes, and then once he got going, the game just went to bed. So we still probably need to give him some time to to adjust. He hasn't played much in this team, so there will be these uh, periods of games maybe when, when he doesn't feel uh, completely comfortable, but once he gets comfortable, he just completely bosses it. And, and I think we saw that also in, in the League Cup against Chelsea, how he kind of started slow and then just yeah. have bossed it. Yeah. So uh, th- there's that, but Gini has been the most consistent by far from, from all of them, and he also had a full preseason season of the World Cup, so that, that also helps. Thank you, Holland. <laughs> well, the World Cup, I mean, the World Cup thing is, for me, is huge. I mean, you look at who, who've been Liverpool's sort of best, most consistent players so far this, this season. It's Van Dijk, it's Gomez, it's Wijnaldum, it's Milner, it's, it's Robertson. It's all players who didn't go to the World Cup. 
the yeah. players who did go to the World Cup are the ones that are struggling. Even I mean, even if you look at that back, even if you now zero in on, for example, the fullbacks, Trent's looked a little bit more leggy and a little bit more uh, sort of off the pace than Robbo has. If you look in, go into the midfield, um, you know, Hendo's looked a bit leggy at times. Um, he's obviously the only midfielder that we had that played extensively at the World Cup, but even so. And then obviously the front three can't quite look, you know, don't quite look themselves, which obviously we've talked about extensively. Um, so, Leanne, I'm going to jump to jump to you now. Um, do you think that that midfield that we've talked about, uh, as I mean, Carl obviously would have changed it, would change it for the Carter game. Do you see that that midfield as the genie Fabinho two, and let's sort of stick stick with it as the idea of a two for now? Do you think that those two are sort of going to be the default over the next few weeks with Naby injured and with Milner and Hendo sort of maybe scramp, scrapping a bit for form? Yeah, I do. I completely agree with Carl in terms of Fab's performance um, last night. I think he was very, very good both on the ball and actually. Fab, he's Fab now. I think he was 19 of his 20. Yeah, he is. Okay. Um, we have to shorten it to something. He won something like 19 of, of 24 duels, so that's that's pretty incredible to be honest. Um, and as Carl said there, even under pressure, he was just able to spray the ball out. And we were talking earlier about how the midfield was was maybe too distant from the forwards, but I think he is a really, really key part of that, and so is Genie because. They kind of run with the ball. They have a little bit of confidence to take it forward. We saw that uh, yesterday when he was bursting through, striding through and trying to link up play, which is really, really positive. Um, so I do think those two will be will be the two. I think they're developing a good relationship already. And we saw that uh, that was the case against Red Star. And um, yeah, I think Jordan Henderson's going to be in for a tough ride because I think uh, you know a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people don't rate him. Klopp does rate him. But even so, we've got a lot of competition in the midfield now. And when you put in a performance like Fabinho did, it's going to be very, very hard to, to kind of deal with that. Um, Milner's the interesting one because I think he's had a very good start to the season as well. I think he's energetic. He, he loves an assist. Uh, very strong penalty taker, which actually is something that Liverpool probably need a bit more of because I don't think Salah's the best penalty taker. But that's besides the point. Well, for Fabinho um, isn't, definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But Milner... Milner's very good at penalties and Milner's very good at a lot of things. Um, but I do think, yeah, for, for the next couple of weeks, um, especially in these big, you know, Champions League games and big Premier League games, I would quite like to see Fabinho and Gini working together. I think they're, they're capable of really adding that defensive steel, but also allowing us a bit more link play with the attack. Yeah, but you'll play Milner and Henderson in Paris. I've got no doubt of that. I think we'll see, though, because... Uh... One of the issues that I think has obviously been an, an issue in the midfield has been the pressing. Um, and obviously the big, the big adjustment period sort of to playing in the Klopp system is being able to press effectively. But if Fabinho demonstrates that he can, and Gag seems to suggest on Twitter that he did last night, then we might see that, we might see Fabinho actually can sort of dominate those big games because it was, it was kind of similar last year to an extent with, I mean, obviously Robbo's the one I haven't talked about, but Ox as well, right? Um, Ox didn't necessarily, we, we wouldn't have thought Ox would be a starter in certain games where he ended up starting and dominating midfield because he was such an effective presser. So I do think, you know, if, if pressing is what Klopp is looking for in those sorts of games, it wouldn't surprise me to see Fabinho actually start maybe more than people are expecting. Well, I, I say, I say, um, uh, I say Paris because we don't necessarily have to win. So I think if he wants to be conservative, and I can't blame him for that because basically I think we draw with PSG. Then we're practically there, but um, so uh, that's why I say I think he might just go with experience for games like that. Whereas games like Cardiff, I can see him, you know, playing for, like for being a win Alton plus one, maybe even Naby Keita if he finds a bit of form. I, I mean, we'll see. We will see. Stefan, what's your take on it? Do you think that in the how do you how do you see basically the stack up of the midfield over the next couple of weeks? Do you see it being a sort of a a reversion to Henderson and Milner in those games where Klopp? maybe wants to keep playing it safe? Or do you think that... I mean, we're all assuming is going to continue to play well, but if over the next couple of weeks Fabinho demonstrates he's he's good enough in those sorts of games, do you reckon he will sort of segue into being the go-to player in in uh, in it, almost every circumstance? It's just a case of him being rotated rather than rather than selected out. To be honest, I don't think midfield pressing will, will matter against Cardiff because they are proper Brexit side and they'll just put it down every time. So... I think we we won't press much against Cardiff because they'll just give us the ball every time they have it by by putting it to Van Dijk. So there's uh, every chance like that that Neil Warnock starts against Liverpool on Saturday. 
He won't, he won't play anything like his strongest side. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Who, what, what's their next game? <laughs> but, uh, because that's, because that's what he does. He always says, I, I've got, I've got, my six pointers are against like Brighton, Newcastle, Huddersfield. Yeah. And they, he just gives up games again. Like, but mind you, because it's us, maybe he might have a go because he genuinely hates Liverpool. Because he hates Rafa. They also don't have a game for a week, so it's not like they have a midweek game that they can rotate for. Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame, but. <laughs> They are, so, prop, they are proper awful, though. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think it matters who plays against Cardiff. All they need to do is pick up the second ball from, from Van Dijk uh, and start the attack. Mm, but but then I, I want to see more of Fabinho. I think he, he's basically the only six we have by trade. Everybody else has been converted to six. Uh, Gini has played basically every position except goalkeeper in his career. Uh, Henderson is in a natural six. Uh, He'd be, he'd be a great goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, he'd be so. brilliant. So, so Fabinho is the only natural six that we have, who's who's done this prim- primarily throughout his career, and I'm excited. That was why I was excited to have him because we haven't had a proper six in, I, I think maybe since Marcelo left. Uh, well, Lucas was was there, but he was injured, and then he, yeah, it, it was Lucas, right? Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, so so in basically a decade, it's the first time we have a, a proper uh, defensive midfielder, and I think he has he has to be in the team. Uh, I think that would allow more freedom. Uh, I actually want to see Henderson in, in an eight. I don't know if he still has the legs to do it with you know with the, the, that heel problem, but uh, he was brilliant uh, under Brendan Rodgers when, when he had to you know play in an eight and, and cover for uh, for for Gerard at the six. So that's something that, that that can happen. And for some reason Klopp puts Henderson in the six and Gini in the eight when they play together. But if Fabinho plays, Fabinho is going to be the six. So that would maybe force Klopp to use Henderson as, as an eight when when they play together. Which is something something to something new that may may work. But yeah, Fabinho should be nailed on once he gets going. I think Fabinho, Gini, and, and Nabi will probably play the most games after New Year when the most important games are, are, are in front of us. And hopefully Kaiser would have been pricked by them significantly. I mean, I'm sure he will personally. I, I really do think he will. Um, I'll, I'll go to you, Nalian, because I do have a question. Um, the structure of the midfield. Um, last night we definitely saw something more akin to a two than a three. Um, and that, I mean, we've seen before that really suits both Genie and Fabinho because they can play with effectively two sixes. And I think Genie in particular has struggled when he's been asked to play further further up the pitch. So do you do you see moving forward Liverpool sort of sticking when these when these two play Fabinho and Genie with that sort of two freeing up a more a more attacking player, or do you think that sooner or later we might see it switch to Fabinho being a more conventional six and Genie being more of an eight, like we have seen him play for vast swathes of his Liverpool career? I personally think it will stick as the two. I think uh, Klopp made a very funny uh, comment. I think it was post-match, actually, where he said, um, you know, this was Fabinho's birthday present. We were going to play the formation that he loves and that, that works best for him. And I think we saw, we completely saw that um, on Wednesday. We saw the way that Fabinho worked in the system. We saw the way that Genie worked in the system. We saw the way that the other central midfielder was freed up to then go forward and support the attack. Uh, Firmino in the hole, brilliant. Um, and I just think overall it, it had a lot more flexibility about it, which I touched on earlier. So I do think it, it gives Klopp another option. That's not to say that he can't use uh, Genie in a more freed up role, because as you said there, that's that's Genie's bread and butter as well. He he does a bit of everything wherever he plays. Um, so I think you know there's there's several options Klopp can utilise. But personally, I, I would like to see it as a two because I think as, as I mentioned before that has that defensive blanket, but also both of them, they're quite capable of driving forward with the ball and being in support of that more attacking midfielder. And then the other one comes in and slots behind and, and fills that defensive role. So they seem to have a good communication together. They seem to have developed somewhat of a relationship already, which is pretty you know, amazing considering the lack of game time Fabinho's had. Um, but yeah, I would like to see them together more. OK, I mean, I mean, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, Carl, I'll let you sort of finish it up because it is your article after all. Is there anything more you wanted to add that you didn't weren't able to fit into the article or wanted to sort of fit into the conversation about regarding that midfield and specifically Fabinho or Genie? Well, I don't know 
important thing is the fact that the, the, the main crux of the answer is the fact that we've got so many midfielders now who are all okay. You know, which is, which is, you know, a major upset, you know, when we had to, I mean, I'm not taking off these people at all, but, um, when we have to rely at the end of the season on people like Ovi Ajaria and, um, and Bed Woodburn and people like that. And now our worst midfielder is Adam Lola. And that's massive. That's huge. And the fact that we've got these options is a really, really positive thing. It's not quite right yet, but, um, I don't the system's right yet, but he's sort of the midfield out. He's sort of the strikers up. He's got one more to go and then we're going to win everything. Even, right. even, even the League Cup. Even the League Cup, which we're not in anymore. We're going to win that as well. We'll find a way to win that. Maybe we can, maybe we can buy another club that's still in it and play our first eleven in that in, in disguise. Mohamed Salinho or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he'll never know. Which is just Salah wearing a moustache, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> plug first. Then is there anything you wanted to plug from this week's? Um, anything this week you've got out? Uh, no, I'm babysitting this week, so too busy with personal things. But uh, as always, just check out the Pro. Lots of great stuff going on there. Yeah, please do check out IR Pro. There is a lot of fantastic content on there. Um, Carl, is there anything that you wanted to be plugging? I'm sure you've got lots of stuff out here, there, and everywhere. Buy my books. Buy my books immediately. Go on Amazon now. The first novel is called And What Do You Do? It's £5. And the second novel, which came out in August, is called Falling Without Landing, and it's better than Shakespeare. That's not necessarily true, but I'm happy to go with that. So, we've got uh, Better Than Shakespeare. How are you going to top that, Leanne? <laughs> An article oh, on Oxford Chamberlain. Come on, come on, Lucy. Um, I do actually have an article out on Oxford Chamberlain that I plugged Is last week. Is it better than Shakespeare? Um, well, it was written by me, so I'm going to go with yes. No, I'm joking. Fair enough. <laughs> um, other than that, um, I'll have an article probably out in the coming days and one at the weekend um, just talking about Fabinho and Shakiri and sort of this new depth that Liverpool have and, and how Wednesday was perfect proof that Liverpool ha- are slowly beginning to step it up, uh, touch forward to that against Cardiff. So a couple of things to look out for there. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Yep, and I've got an article out which I sort of mentioned in this pod basically about how fixing the balance of our midfield is, is not a necessarily easy easy solution. Um, I felt that the best way of doing that was just to give Fabinho and Naby time. And when I said that, I didn't realise it would literally be 15 minutes for Fabinho to to, to fix that midfield. But fair enough. Um, uh, other than that, just this show, um, myself and Leanne obviously uh, put a lot of effort into it behind the scenes. Um, obviously, we've got fantastic support from Guy, Nina, Gags, all all put in a lot of help to make sure that this show works the way it does. Um, and obviously, all of our guests, we get some fantastic guests in. We always look for the best content out on the site and there is always lots of fantastic content out on the site so even if um yeah my plug would just be go and pick an article you've maybe not looked at or maybe one that you uh, didn't think of before and just give it a read and just see because there's always lots of good content out there and obviously we can only get you know two people on a week but that doesn't mean that there isn't lots more out there on the site um but yeah thank you very much for coming on guys thank you very much for recording guy and thank you very much for listening we will be back next week see you then Podcast Network.